Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. I'm your host, Emily Flippin. I'm Jason Moser. I'm Nick Seipel. I'm Dylan Lewis. And today we're talking financials. Today we're talking consumer goods. Wildcard Wednesday. And we're talking energy. And today we're talking tech. Let's dive in. It's Friday, March 26th, and we're talking acquisition rumors and Microsoft's gaming ambitions. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined by Fool.com's antiquated accessor of analyzing anti-awesome asset acquisitions, Brian Faroldi. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great, Dylan. Excited to be talking about some news. We haven't covered news in, in many, many weeks. It's been a while. You know, we, we like to mix it up. I, I like to think of us as, a, you know, a pitcher that has a couple different pitches in our repertoire. You know, sometimes we go with the deep dives. Sometimes we like to go radar stocks, throw like three or four different companies that are in the same space at our listeners. But every now and then, it's nice to talk about something everybody knows. And in this case, we're going to be talking about Microsoft and some really splashy news related to big tech companies. And I think it should say really splashy potential news here. What we're talking about (laughs) is Microsoft potentially uh, buying, uh, spending a cool $10 billion to uh, buy buy Discord. But uh, I think that this is more than a rumor. The odds of this actually happening, I think, are pretty high. But I guess we should point out this is just a rumor at this point. It is. And rumors are very fun. And, and there is no shortage of headlines related to what the various big tech companies could go out and buy. Right. And so it's, it's a very tantalizing idea. In this case, I, I, from what I've read, at least in the reports, uh, Discord approached Microsoft ex- just trying to see what their interest was. And so I, I think you're right. I think there's some pretty serious talks happening here. Um, of course, $10 billion, $10 billion is not a bank breaking amount of money for a company like Microsoft to throw out there. There's really only a few companies out there that Discord could approach to go after, and Microsoft is certainly on the short list. And to your point, yeah, if Microsoft was to drop $10 billion on this company, wow, is that a lot of money? It's still less than 1% of Microsoft's market cap. Yeah, I think they could cover it. I, th- I think pretty comfortably they could cover it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, familiar with Microsoft, probably a lot less of our listeners uh, familiar with Discord. Um, if you are in the gaming space or you're someone who is just generally on the, the cutting edge of tech, software applications, and the way that people are communicating, you know this name. There are a lot of people that don't, though. Dylan, were you familiar with Discord before, before the story came up? Yes, but I will say I was not a user. Like I have, I have looked under the hood a little bit. I have a lot of friends who are big fans of it. However, I am I am not a like diehard user the way that I know some some of my friends are and some fellow fools are. Yeah, I I was uh, asked to sign up uh, to play to, to connect with my uh, cousin, uh, so I'm familiar with it through through that. So I guess I am technically one of the 140 million users, but. For those that are unfamiliar with this, uh, Discord is a chatting app that is used primarily to allow gamers to communicate with each other uh, while while they're playing. Uh, it was founded uh, by two uh, co-founders, Jason Citron and Stan uh, Vishenikov. Oh, wow, did I mispronounce that? Uh, but two co-founders, they're, they're still involved. They were just lifelong gamers, and they were really struggling because they wanted to play games with other people and have a friendly chat with them. There weren't any good tools at the time, so they built one. Founding story we've seen and we love. Yeah, that's generally a pretty good recipe, Brian, right? Like people who are super in a community really understand the wants and needs of the core power users there coming out with something that addresses those. And and not surprisingly, millions of people have adopted it because it's a great homegrown service. 
The number that I saw thrown out was that uh, this uh, the Discord currently has 140 million uh, active users and they have 4 billion conversation minutes logged daily. So this is a sizable platform. Yeah, and, and crucially, you can really communicate in a variety of different ways using Discord. So um, it would be easy to quickly think of it as a, a Slack type thing, but it's very rich in the different communication methods that you can use when you're on the platform. Totally. And the company makes its money by selling uh, premium subscription services where you can uh, customize your profile and upload high resolution uh, images and videos. Cost is anywhere for about uh, $9.99 a month, so about 10 bucks a month, or you can do a uh, annual subscription fee for about 100 bucks. And the numbers that we've seen show that this company is doing about $130 million, uh, in annual revenue over the past 12 months. Yeah, it, what's interesting about this business in particular, and I think what kind of opens it up to the really broad base of users that it has, is it's kind of platform agnostic. Um, it, it is something that allows you to communicate with people kind of regardless of what you're using in terms of your core console and the games you're playing. Um, we have seen a lot of businesses be successful with that model, Brian. And I think that's almost a requirement here. I mean, if you are if you are a gamer and you want to connect with uh, other gamers, it can't necessarily be tied to only one type of gaming platform. Something like that would not have universal uh, appeal. I know back in my Fortnite days, uh, I used to be I, I used to play that, and we would play with some people that would be on iPads, other people would be on Xboxes, other people would be on PlayStation Four. So the universal accessibility of this is crucial. It is, and and I think what is really interesting to see is, you know, we, we talked about how this was something that was kind of born out of problems the founders were running into. Uh, it has not stayed in the gaming space. I think a lot of people have realized the benefits of it as a communication platform, being able to use text, being able to use images, being able to use video, all these different things. Um, and it is going where a lot of, I think, more early adopter tech communities tend to go in terms of topics, communities. Um, I, I know that there are investing discords. Um, there are crypto discords. There are all different types of uh, discord groups that have propped up. I've seen book clubs you know, get set up on these things um, just because it offers um, such, such unique and rich communication capabilities. And that is probably one major reason why Microsoft or any other business is interested in acquiring this. Yes, it got its start in gaming, and that is still where the core conversation uh, goes. But uh, like we saw with, with Instagram, what started out as one specific niche use can go mainstream in some cases. So if Discord is on that trajectory, it could be worth serious money down the road. It could. And, and we threw out that, that 10 billion sticker figure that we have seen reported. Uh, that would be an increase on what we've seen from the recent valuation rounds. I think their, their last valuation round was somewhere around 7 billion. So this is a price that you know a lot of early investors in Discord would probably be pretty happy with. Uh, but, but I think it's interesting talking about Microsoft going out and possibly buying uh, a communication platform because there's been no shortage of uh, you know interest in other players in that space homegrown uh, apps and software in that space, and really just interest in Microsoft in general buying other companies that are in the social communication uh, platform uh, industries. Yeah, in the in the recent past, we've seen Microsoft make some interesting deals. Uh, they bought out uh, LinkedIn uh, several years ago. I believe that was their largest acquisition uh, ever, and they really paid up up to do that. More recently, uh, last year, when there was kind of a bidding war for uh, for for the U.S. version of TikTok's business, Microsoft was an interested party in there, but it ultimately lost out uh, to Oracle. So maybe Microsoft just has money burning a hole in its pocket and it wants to find something. <laughs> yeah, you know it. it 
it is tempting when you start seeing a lot of money pile up in your in your brokerage account or in your uh, in your checking account, Brian. You know, to want to put it to use. I could only imagine what that's like when the number is uh, denominated in billions. You know, and it's and it's cash sitting on your balance sheet, kind of hurting some of your your internal efficiency metrics. Um, I, I think we also can't forget. You know, Microsoft was interested in buying Slack at one point. You go back to 2016, and there were some really serious conversations internally happening about whether or not it made sense for them to go out there and buy it. And uh, Bill Gates, in more of a tech advisor role with with Microsoft at the time, um, and Satya Nadella ultimately decided it was not the decision uh, that they they wanted to make. And they, instead of going out and buying this uh, business that had a brand association with it, was kind of a hybrid of enterprise software, but also had uh, its own consumer brand, they decided to go and say, you know what, we we can build a messaging platform internally. We'll call it Teams, and I think we're going to be able to do just fine. Um, that's pretty much what's played out. We we fast forward to 2021, Brian. Uh, there are more people using Teams than than using Slack. Yeah, Microsoft kind of used their marketing reach to really promote Teams, and that was a bit of a risky strategy because we've seen several times that companies say, "We're not going to buy this thing. We're going to try to build our own better version of it." And more often than not, those efforts are, are are not successful. So it was interesting that they did not move forward with the uh, the Slack acquisition, and they were able to make a, a team Teams success. It still worked out pretty well for for Slack getting bought out by Salesforce for a cool twenty seven billion dollars. Uh, but it is interesting to see the strategy that they went with. I'm sure there are going to be some people that are wondering why, why Discord, why not Slack? And and I think we'll touch on it a little bit as we work through some of the gaming stuff. But I think at core, one of the things to kind of keep in mind with these two different services is Slack was ultimately something where enterprise is going to be the buyer, right? Like you have to sell to a business to have paying users for Slack for the most part. Discord is much more of a direct-to-consumer model. And for the most part, like the brand value is going to matter a lot more in direct to consumer. If if Microsoft was to absorb a company like Slack and then roll it into what they are offering to businesses, they basically need to say, okay, this is going to be part of this bundle and we'll realize some element of value in what we bundle it with, with all of our office software, or we're just going to include it and, and use it as a retention tool, which makes it hard to pony up for that brand name. Yeah, and Microsoft has some recent history with trying to build a, a gaming product from scratch and ultimately uh, failing. It wasn't all that long ago that Microsoft was trying to build uh, Mixer, which was a product that was designed uh, to, to compete um, with, uh, with Twitch, which is owned by uh, Amazon. Microsoft really put a lot of resources behind that and uh, notoriously uh, paid uh, Ninja, which is one of the most popular streamers in the world, to switch and become exclusive uh, on Mixer. I think they paid him around around $30 million uh, to make that switch. After they did that, they ended up abandoning that strategy and shutting down the platform because they just weren't making inroads against the likes of Twitch, uh, Facebook Gaming, and YouTube as they were as they were expecting to. So yeah, once a brand name with consumers gets established, it can be really hard to build a competing product. You mentioned Twitch. Um, th- there is no shortage of big tech investment in the gaming industry in general. You know, uh, Facebook made that huge Oculus acquisition uh, a-, a while ago. It feels like now, if you're talking in tech years, <laughs> it was only you know a couple years ago, but it feels like it was like you know a decade and a half ago at this point. Um, Apple is making more and more steps in the gaming direction as they are trying to emphasize their services offering. We're seeing Google emphasize Stadia. Um, th- there's a lot of investment here, and it makes sense. To to me that Microsoft wants to put more money here when you look at their overall business. Yeah, Microsoft has been in the gaming industry for 
going on two decades now with its uh, Xbox uh, division. And Xbox uh, is actually becoming a relatively important part uh, of the company's uh, business. Last quarter, in fact, Xbox was one of its fastest growing segments uh, overall. Revenue from the Xbox uh, division grew 40%. That was in part due to the launch of uh, the new series of Xbox, the Xbox Series X and S, the most recent console. Uh, Revenue from that category grew 86%. Uh, So Microsoft knows that gaming is a huge, huge business, and they are really spending to be a part of it. Yeah, it's something that we have talked about so many times, but there's a mega trend here, right? Like the the online gaming space is only becoming bigger. There are a lot of players in it. It's not going to be a winner-take-all market, but there's a lot of money going into it. We know how appealing digital services are as a business. Um, and you know, with people staying at home, I think the, the, the benefits of these types of businesses have really been highlighted recently. If, if you are looking at Microsoft overall, top down as a business, um, they, they need something to be pretty big for it to be even remotely interesting for them, you know, and, and just to kind of show you what the pie looks like for them in 2020. So they have server products and cloud services. That was 40 billion. Office products and cloud services, 35 billion. Windows was 22 billion. Gaming, 11 billion. What doesn't even make the top four for them is LinkedIn, which I think was about seven or eight billion in revenue contribution. And that was a massive standalone business. And so when you start putting numbers like that together, you see, you know, for the most part, the story is going to be Office and Azure, unless they're able to prop up another really big pillar of the business. What we see with some of the growth rates in gaming, just the general interest in gaming, there's potential there. And they already have so many properties in this space. We've seen their proclivity to bundle things, Brian. It seems like there's something pretty tempting here. It really does. I, I really think that this would be a nice uh, uh, acquisition uh, fit for them. And they have proven in the recent past that they are willing to pay up uh, to really bolster their uh, their gaming division. Um, several years ago, they bought uh, Mohang, which is the uh, the maker of the ridiculously popular game uh, Minecraft. Uh, last year, we actually saw them spend $7.5 billion to acqu- for them to acquire something called Zenimax Media, which was the parent company of several gaming studios that uh, brought games like uh, Doom and uh, fought into the category. So Microsoft has clearly identified gaming as a major growth avenue for the business long term, and they are willing to spend up to really bolster it. Yeah. And you see them positioning themselves in the much more lucrative parts of the market, Brian. You know, like at core, you you go back a couple years, they were exposed to gaming, but it was much more because of their Xbox division and hardware, right? Like that was that was really the association that I think a lot of people had with 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 gaming and with Microsoft. Um, it's a very different story when you start getting into video game publishing, when you start getting into the platforms that gamers communicate on. I think that's probably where the money is, and that segment is going to check a lot more of the boxes that I know you like to personally invest in with businesses. That's exactly right. Uh, the game, the part of gaming that interests me is recurring revenue. A shocker, I know, but <laughs> when you have uh, Xbox. Uh, uh, Microsoft has clearly made a bunch of investments uh, in that category. I know that we have an Xbox in my house, and every month my ca- my credit card is hit with my with my son's Xbox uh, Gold uh, subscription. That subscription is worthwhile because it gives him access to games, but more importantly, it allows him to play and communicate with his friends online. That is just a much better business model than the old video game business. It is. It's it's much more compelling, and when you have so many different things within the video gaming ecosystem, as Microsoft does and may have, you know, if they wind up going through with this acquisition, it becomes pretty easy for them to say, 
you can charge someone X amount a month or X amount a year and you just get everything. You don't, you don't have to think too much about it. You know, you have access to all of the different elements that you need. Um, you don't have to, you know, go through all of the hoopla that we, that we currently have with a lot of streaming stuff where it's like you have four different services and you're trying to figure out, you know, what shows on what. In, in the case of, you know, video game providers, um, if you're more vertically integrated, it gives you a lot of interesting pricing power. It gives you a lot of different options that you can offer to consumers. And as we talked about, you know, you're starting to get into the high margin part of this industry, which is going to be super compelling for them. Completely. This would, I think, round out their ecosystem and to your point, make their recurring services even more even more compelling. So uh, if there is some merit uh, to this rumor, I think that it makes a lot of sense for Microsoft to go through with this. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I look at the way that they have their revenue broken down right now. And, you know, with with Azure and with Office being such a large part of where the money's coming from, um, they're not quite in Apple territory with an iPhone problem. But they're pretty concentrated. You know, they have a couple business lines that are really going to be driving them for the foreseeable future, unless they can find some interesting growing markets that will go from being, you know, single digit or low double digit billion uh, on an annual basis to 20, 30, 40 billion, you know, in, in the in longer term and, and kind of the run rates that it can ultimately hit. Um, this feels like one of those industries, particularly as they can roll more things into it. I am curious, though, Brian, if at a certain point, uh, regulators start to look at this space the way that they have so many other acquisitions from the big tech space uh, in the last decade. That will definitely be something to to watch, although... Um from my eyes, and again, I'm not a legal expert, I don't think that uh, regulators will have a, a problem with this. This would be a relatively small acquisition for them in the grand scheme of things, and it would be used to bolster their, their gaming uh, d- division. Uh, this wouldn't be under the same eyes of, say, fi- uh, Facebook buying an Instagram uh, nowadays, or even a Microsoft buying a TikTok uh, nowadays. But the, that kind of thing is always unpredictable, so we'll just have to see how that story plays out. It is always unpredictable. And I think it's so easy. What's, what's hard about the antitrust stuff, Brian, is it's so easy when the deals are happening to say, oh, well, look how many users Instagram has. What is Facebook even going to do with that? And, and you, you know, fast forward a couple of years and they are, you know, probably the, the greatest acquisition ever made, you know, in terms of pure ROI and, and really strategic fit for a business. And it's hard to anticipate that when those deals are made originally. It really is. And I, I agree with you there. I think that that Facebook Instagram deal will go down as the best acquisition ever, or at least in the top five, at the very least acquisitions uh, ever. And uh, to your point, if you would just look at where Discord uh, is today, I think Microsoft can make a pretty compelling argument that, hey, this is just for the gaming community. It's pretty it's pretty, uh, it's pretty niche. Longer term, if Discord like branches out and goes from, say, 140 million monthly users to a billion monthly users because it has success in getting into different uh, uh, conversations, that could be something. So if Mike, you, you could argue if Microsoft is going to do this deal, better do it quick. Yeah, I'm sure some people kind of hearing them be interested in something like Discord, knowing that they have a product like Teams are wondering, Brian, is this something that Microsoft probably allows to continue to operate as it currently is uh, under its own name? Or does it wind up getting integrated into uh, all of the communication stuff that Microsoft currently has? My, My hunch is that Discord under Microsoft is still called Discord and still runs as its own business. But I'm curious what you think about that. 
Yeah, I think that that uh, makes makes sense. Again, I, I, it's hard to imagine. One of the big benefits of Discord is that it's it's not uh, it's not tied to any specific uh, platform. So if they took this and said, "Oh, we're going to make it so that only Xbox t- customers can only attack with other Xbox customers," that would really kill a huge amount of the appeal of Discord uh, right now. So I think from uh, from that perspective, Microsoft is going to. Uh, if it wants to keep the gaming community happy, it's going to have to say, yes, we're going to keep this as a separate business, allow it to run the same way that it's done with LinkedIn. So yeah, I agree with you there. I think that that's the most likely uh, case scenario. Yeah, my guess would be that the folks over on the Teams team talk a lot with the folks on the Discord team, and they wind up possibly taking uh, some of the things that they've learned over in that space and, and bring it over to what they are offering, you know, all of these customers that are you know, paying for Office, paying for Outlook, all these types of things. But I think they keep the brand separate and really just use it as a, as a space to delight a very, very loyal customer base, <laughs> you know, because gamer, gamers love their products and they're very vocal when, when things get messed up with their products. Um, and then it, you know, ultimately becomes something that informs uh, an add-on service for them within their core money-making software. Yeah, totally. Uh, Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft knows that uh, has made a couple of big bets in the gaming region. The last thing that it wants to do is make that community mad uh, at it. So if this, if it does go, go through with this, it's certainly gonna have to keep that in mind. It will. And you know what? We say it all the time. It's a fun story to watch. It's it's a delightful one to watch. And, it, and it's really interesting um, because for all we, you know, we, we kind of have slept on Microsoft a little bit, I think, over the last five years in doing this show. I know you're a shareholder, right, Brian? Uh, my children are. I was not your smart children. enough to buy some myself. <laughs> Did your kids pitch you Microsoft? I gave them uh, every every year when I go, when they go to go buy, buy stocks, I ask them what they want to buy. And when my son discovered... Xbox is owned by Microsoft. He picked it, and it's it's amazing how sometimes being that simple with your investment decisions. I like Xbox, therefore I like Microsoft. Uh, sometimes that works out. Yeah, you know, he saw the thesis before we did. <laughs> you know, uh, but but I think we have slept on this company a little bit, um, and and unfairly because it's been a wonderful compounder, as I'm sure your son's portfolio, you know, can attest. Um, their their core businesses aren't really slowing down. This is this is a you know nice thing for them where they can invest in growing spaces. They have cash cow businesses that are in some ways are mature, but really are continuing to grow at pretty rapid rates. And the share price appreciation for the business has been wonderful. I think if you're a Microsoft shareholder, this is mostly upside. I don't I don't look at what they're talking about here and say you know th- this doesn't look good. Uh, you know there's there's a, a probability that this doesn't work out and it doesn't look good for you. It's really incredible to me that if you look at Microsoft's results over the last couple of years, that this company is still growing its top line uh, in, in the teens range. Off of the size that this company is and the billions that it is pulling in, uh, they have done an unbelievably impressive job at turning this uh, from a stodgy, uh, low-growth, dividend-paying company into a high-growth business. So your hats have got to be off to Satya Nadella and team. Yep. And they just continue to identify interesting industries to pour money into, right? We've seen it with Azure in the cloud. We're seeing it now with the gaming industry. I think they see the potential here and they know that you know they're, they're going to have to find more revenue streams. They want to diversify out if they want to become a multi-trillion dollar business, which I'm sure that's the ambition for them, you know, knowing where they are now. Um, and, and so they've, they've done a great job identifying and executing so far. I think leadership's been absolutely fantastic. This is a great logical next step for them. 
I completely agree. And what's really amazing is that while Microsoft has done phenomenally well as a, as a stock uh, in the in the recent past, um, given its growth rates, I don't think it's all that expensive uh, today. This is a company that's trading for around uh, 30 times earnings. It buys back stock. It's still growing at a double-digit rate. Uh, if you're looking for a low-risk stock idea, boy, could you do a whole lot worse than Microsoft. Yeah, I feel like Microsoft is probably the tech dividend stock that I would throw out to people. And and people who are chasing yield generally are like, oh, come on, you know. But <laughs> but but the reality is it, it's kind of a best of both worlds company where you're you're getting consistent dividend payments that you know they're not going to have any trouble servicing. You know, that dividend's not going anywhere. And yet it's it's a wonderful growth company. It's been an incredible um, appreciator and, and a wonderful compounder. And there are still so many reasons to be excited about the business. Mm-hmm. And more, moreover, dividend, dividend is just one of the ways that they're returning capital uh, to, to shareholders. This company also regularly buys back gobs of stock and is actually reducing uh, the share count. So if you're going to be looking at this, yes, don't just look at the dividend deal. You have to consider the total shareholder return. All that to say, in future episodes, uh, I won't be having Brian Froldi on. I'll be having his son on instead. <laughs> <laughs> he has a higher accuracy rate with picking winning stocks than I do. So that's probably a smart move, Dylan. You taught him well, Brian. You taught him well, right? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Brian, thanks so much for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Dylan. Listeners, that's going to do it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say, hey, shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you're looking for more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Tim Sparks for all his work behind the glass today, and thank you for listening. Until next time, fool on. Oh,